devastated, confused, heartbroken. So many times in life we get thrown for a curve and don't know how to react. I can tell you the first time I had sex, how was my marriage going to survive? It's, it's over. I remember standing in front of the judge with my three-week-old baby, looking at my ex. I saw the look on his face and it was complete rage. Welcome to When Life Throws You a Curve and How to Make the Adjustment with your host, Katie Hamilton. Hey everyone, welcome to When Life Throws You a Curve and How to Make the Adjustment. I'm Katie Hamilton. I, for the third week in a row, have an amazing guest yet again. Um, this week, I have on the show celebrity publicist and host of the Dominic Natty Show, the king of contacts himself, Mr. Dominic Natty. Yeah. Cash. Nice to see you. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's, it's great to see you. I hope everyone in Dallas is all right. And uh, yeah, just sitting here, bored out of my mind, trying to get through this quarantine. But uh, but this this is this is fun. This will be fun to at least talk with somebody. I've just been sitting here alone on my uh, laptop for about a month now. Well, I definitely have a ton of questions to ask you. So many, even more since like just the Zoom with you went, you know, hit go. Um, yeah. Just to give some, you know the listeners a little bit of history between me and you we very first uh quote met when i did your show um yeah. about what six or eight months ago yeah. and little did i know of course that you know we'd be having or i'd be having a podcast and actually you were supposed to be in dallas for this interview it seemed like everything was very serendipitous and just falling right into place and probably less than a week after you got on the schedule, we all got hit with this life curve, which is the Corona COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. So we're having to make the adjustment and do a Zoom, but it is still yes. so good to see your face and you look very well. And I was gonna ask you about your quarantine, um, like your life in quarantine, but we will we can get to that. I. It is just, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad that you came on. I, you're smoking a cigar. You look well. You seem like you're making the most of the situation. I'm trying to. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I can't lie. Like, this is, this is pretty brutal. It's, it's boring to, to sit at home this much. I do like to travel, you know. Um, but I think the, the easier way to get through it is that I'm not missing out on anything. There's so many events, you know, and stuff that, that, I can be a part of and that's part that excites me so the only thing that makes it a little bit easier is that nothing's going on so if I, I can get on a plane if I go somewhere I'm just going to sit there too so that's the good news is there's no FOMO you're just you're not missing thing because nothing's happening yeah no, in fact, the, event, the eventful things are things that we do not want to take part of you know no. they're like not no we're so so you're right there is no FOMO so the fact that you're having to stay home, are you surrounded with like your wife? I think you're married. Is that correct? Uh, we are actually recently separated. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. We're still friends though. We still like, she actually smokes cigars with me sometimes. And uh, uh, we usually hang out on the holidays and like hang out sometimes. So it's just, um, I don't know, just wasn't really working out, but we don't, a lot of my friends think it's very strange. Like, well, yeah, we, we'll talk on the phone and stuff. It's just, I think it's just the marriage part 
uh, lost some interest, but yeah. Well, I'll tell you, please try to stay friends. I think that is awesome. And listen, not you might be hard pressed to find another woman that enjoys smoking cigars at least know. You know, as much as you. So if you, yeah, you know, at least if you guys can remain cigar buddies, I I think that's amazing. And yeah. it just makes so much life easier if you can get along and, you know, respect each other and all of that. Because divorce and separation, all that is, it's no joke. It's nasty, oh. you know. Yeah. So that's good to hear at least. But you are, so you're alone in the quarantine situation. Yeah. So it's like, th that's the thing is, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm a member at uh, the cigar shop 24 hours. So it's like, I, I can sit here with friends that are also members you know, until like midnight or one in the morning or whatever, you know, so, so that's kind of cool. But that's the thing is like, I don't really like, you know, I have a son and I like hanging out with him, but that was my thing is I don't really like sitting home. So I would just get on a plane and go places, you know, so this has been a little tough learning how to like watch documentaries and like just sit there and, you know, watch TV is, it's not really what I want to be doing. So speaking of documentaries um, or binge watching anything, have you, do you have any recommendations, favorites, or things you've been sucked into against your will? Yeah, you know what? I did watch this one. Uh, it's, I think it's from 2009 or 2012. So I watched, I think it's called The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. Oh, wow. Is one you got to see. Now, I'm from New York and I'm living in Virginia right now. Uh, so I've, I've, what what part of Virginia? Uh, it's near Roanoke. Uh, it's it's called Lynchburg, Virginia. It's like between Roanoke and Richmond. Yeah, I uh, know that area very well. Oh, okay, yeah. So um, so that's where I'm at. And then you know, so I'm not. I'm a a Yankee, and I I watched this documentary about these this family from West Virginia, and they're just insane and crazy. And uh, I I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, it's. It's crazier than a little, oh, about as crazy as like Tiger King. But well, that one got me this weekend. And I have never regretted something so, so quickly, but I jumped down the rabbit hole Saturday morning and I exited, emerged Saturday night after all seven episodes were completed. The whole time thinking, oh my God, Katie, what are you doing? You have work to do. This is a waste. But I could not look away. Can't get away from I that. even watched the bonus one. Dang you, Jan, Jan, uh, John McHale. John McHale, that's his name, right? That did this bonus episode on Sunday. I watched that too. So yeah. I wrote down uh, this 2012 or six documentary about West Virginia, the wild, wonderful. Wild and wonderful whites. It's the white family, whites of oh. West Virginia. I thought you were talking about like mountains, like snow. Like, <laughs> I thought that's what you meant. Hello. <laughs> These are crazy rednecks and they just like, they, there's a lot of crime and it's, it's like a crime mystery, you know, and it's, I don't know. I don't know how funny you think like some of like the redneck life is, you know, but it's, to me, it's, it's the just, entire it's, season of the Tiger King. In one day. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I thought it was going to be about tigers. And I was like, I don't really care that much about animals. But no, it's just like the, the twists of that were just, I, I watched, I binge watched it too. I was like, well, I got three more episodes. I was like, then I watched one. I was like, oh, I got two left. You know? I was like, kids, I have 15 minutes left. And I'm like, no, you can't watch this. 
but I'm just going to need you to like get me in 15 minutes. Cause you know, it was, yeah. they said, they were like, we've never seen you do this before. I was like, I know. I've, I no, I've never, I've never watched seven episodes of anything in a row ever. So uh, I, I, there's nothing else to do. There's nothing pulling me to say, well, I mean, my business is still doing well. Like it's, yeah, I still have clients, you know, but it's just, it's slower and without travel, you know, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky that, you know, a lot of my clients stuck with me through this, you know, because I'm a publicist. So it's like, it's definitely not in the category of a necessity, you know, like, so, you know, I, I wouldn't, a couple people had to drop and I, I can't argue with them. It's like, yeah, I mean, this is serious times. So there's, you know, you're not like, I'm not one of those essential uh, things. It's a luxury item to have a publicist, you know? So, um, but I appreciate the people that found the value in it and are, you know, sticking with me. Um, so yeah, that I'm really grateful for that. Definitely. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it is hard times and it's definitely a, a change for everyone. So I know everyone's trying to do the best they can, but speaking of your profession and being a publicist, can you kind of rewind the tape for everybody and share with us how you, you know, how did you become the king of contacts? How did you fall into the world or maybe intentionally pursue the world of uh, publicity and PR and all of that? Yeah. Um, so I, I did things, I guess what people call a little bit backwards. Like, so when I was in my, I'm 41. Uh, when I was in my twenties, I started doing, you know, like videos, like when video editing started getting big in the early two thousands. And then I, was a wedding videographer and then I got on like a, a small TV show in New York that I was where I was working and then uh, I moved to Charlotte North Carolina in 2005 and I wound up getting a position on uh, a movie with Will Ferrell a NASCAR movie which then oh, became wow. Nights yeah love that one yeah so that was cool. I mean, that was like my first big jump whereas like I was doing this small Christian TV show I was a producer in New York. And then when I moved to Charlotte, it was really unlikely I'd get on this movie um, in production, but I did. And I just worked with Judd Apatow and um, I just had to take care of him and um, for, cause he was the producer of this movie and then the movie got big. And then after that, it was like, Oh, you worked on Talladega nights, you know? So everybody in Charlotte knew, knew what was going on. And, and then I, uh, I, I kind of went from there to like reality TV mm -hmm. uh, which is usually people look at as a step down, but I, I like TV more than film. I think film was, it was fun working on movies, but it was like, it was really long hours. And I don't think I, I just wasn't good enough to be honest. And then like I had other people that just were a lot more dedicated. So I felt like these film students were just almost running me over in a way because they were so intense and, and they're so dedicated. So I went to reality TV. I did that for seven years. Um, and then I just, I don't really like being on set. Uh, so I started working on my own project and uh, I wrote an, like an email to some, you know, some news anchors and told them this project I was working on. And they were like, what is this you're emailing me? Is this supposed to be a press release? And I was like, is it? You know, like I didn't know. I was like, what's a press release? So I had to like, you know, Google that. And then I was like, yeah, you know, so then I wound up getting all this exposure for this project I was working on. Um, and I I fell in love with that. I was like, I could just email people and like, I can get in the news, like just from, you know, writing this press release. And for some reason, I like that more than working on, you know, major films and big, you know, reality TV shows. I, I just, 
I guess just the freedom of it, you know, because I'm, I'm not, I don't like standing around. I don't like being on someone else's time schedule. So the, and I was, I just, you know, I was a camera operator uh, for the NBA uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. And um, I just felt like I was kind of average at everything, but I seemed to be really good at doing PR and making, you know, so everything else I was just like, okay. And I had a good resume, but I really wasn't above the rest, you know? So so I started doing that. You know, I started, people were like, oh, I saw you on this. Like, do you think you can get exposure for me? And that's when I learned there was like a need for it. And I said, yeah, you know, and then I started, you know, networking and figuring out people's email addresses. And, uh, and that's where they're like, man, you got more contacts than my big agent that I got who can't get a hold of people. I was like, you're the king of contacts. So that just kind of stuck. And, uh, you know, it's just a weird kind of thing. Like I, I spend a lot of time trying to figure out how people do their email addresses and who the right person is and looking at LinkedIn. And, you know, it's like a lot of effort that most people just don't invest in. They just say like, oh, I want to be in this newspaper or I want to get a hold of this celebrity. And they're like, I have no idea how to get a hold of them. So I just worked at it until I figured everything out, you know? So, and I don't know, I just, I just really like it. For some reason, I'd rather see you know, news articles that have my client's name in it or my name in it or cover my radio show than actually sit at an award show, you know. I know, I don't know. It's just, I think everybody's different, you know, as far as, like, exposure. Like, I think everyone likes things more than others. Like, you know, I remember talking to you about reality TV and it wasn't something that you really wanted to do. But other people would kill to do that. Yeah, it, it just it depends so much on who the people that are around you, you know, like yeah. I loved Housewives of Orange County. I loved the studio. I loved my co, you know, coworkers, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have that same love affair with Mary and Millions for, you know, a host of reasons, but not to say that somebody else on the show wouldn't it's just, you know, it's kind of like you, you know, uh, what, whatever resonates with you and a lot has to do with, whatever season you're in in your own life and you know what's driving you what you're passionate about and uh how you feel like you're fulfilling or kind of giving back where your areas of talents lie so i think it's really fascinating that you found this little uh like this niche or like a need and then you were able to put in that time effort energy and see that return on your investment and how it was such an asset to people and that is very fulfilling. I mean, I totally see why that would uh, be a, a satisfying, you know, uh, profession for someone to be in. I know I wouldn't have the patience to sit down and figure out people's emails and yeah. no, no, no. Uh, I would not be able to to do that. That's not somewhere. So I have great admiration for people that can't because I can't even figure out how to do a dang eye movie. And that's yeah. like in, in simplest form. I mean, I just you know, we all have our strengths. So, um, okay. So as far as, so you've, now you've become a, a publicist. Do you remember getting your very first official client? And do you remember who it was? Or, or can you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could talk about things that have, uh, that are public and that uh, have mentioned my name as people's publicist and representative. Um, so um, I think uh, my, you know, my, very first client uh, was Shaquille O'Neal's personal chef. Um, you know, it was, his name is uh, Jerome Brown. 
He had yeah. a full-time job. I was not, no easy task feeding Shaquille, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Takes a calories. He was playing, he got him to drop a lot of weight because he was eating. Um, and, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. Like he, you know, he, he gave me, uh, he gave me a shot and, and I didn't quite, you know, I mean, looking back, I had no idea how to present myself to him and we still became really good friends. And then he got so busy doing news appearances and press that, uh, the guy he was cooking for another basketball player, uh, that guy hired me for, uh, an NBA player hired me for, um, several years, you know? So it's like it, uh, it, it kind of one like kind of led to the other and then you know and then I wound up working in in sports uh, for a while uh, in Charlotte like where everything just started uh, snowballing you know like where the they talk a lot in the locker rooms and like oh I saw you on this and that and they're like yeah I got this publicist and then they start to kind of to talk and, and you get into in, involved in these circles you know so um so that was my that was my first client, um, and, it, and it helped, you know, snowball everything um, from there. And then uh, the the first client that you know that, that I really, you know, worked with is I, I'm from New York. I grew up in the '90s, you know, and I and I was in high school in the '90s, and uh, I was a big fan of DMX, uh, the rapper. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean, he was really my favorite. Like on my Pandora station at the time, it was like. I had three channels and DMX was one of them. You know, like I really was a huge fan. And then I'm looking through Facebook and I saw that one of my friends on Facebook is friends with his fiance. Um, and through all a very strange series of events, um, I wound up, you know, finding his fiance. And then she told me all these things, uh, you know, that, uh, like that, that he was getting out of jail soon. And then I got his number I set up interviews for him while he was in jail. And then when he got out, I became, I was his publicist for four years. And for me, it was just, you know, I know he's not doing obviously that much anymore, but it was just such a surreal thing to drive around and hang out with a guy that like, I really liked his music. Like if I would go back and talk to like 17 year old Dominic, I'd be like, you know, you're not going to believe this. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of weird that way because if you're a fan, um, sometimes it, it'll affect you know, like what you do. And then if you're, you know, if you're totally disinterested in someone that's also a celebrity, you know, it can kind of affect it in a negative way. Like I interview celebrities on my show, you know, and I had Gene Simmons on uh, from Kiss and it just did not go well at all because I don't listen to that music. I don't really know any Kiss songs and he could kind of pick up that, like I was asking stupid questions and he was just a real jerk and like being a jerk in return because I think you could just tell, like, I was just being goofy and trying to be funny. And then I just didn't, like, really. I was asking him, like, what he thought of Justin Bieber's new album and stuff. And he was just, like, he just didn't like my questions. And we, you know, and, but I think it just, it affects you. Like, when you're, you know, we work with celebrities. If you actually care, it just comes across. And if you don't, it could be negative or positive. You know, like, uh, when I lived in Charlotte, I was friends with uh, one of the guitar players from Aerosmith. And, and I like Aerosmith, but I, yeah. there's people that are crazy fans, you know, like super. But he liked that, like, I didn't really know a ton about them, you know. Mm -hmm. but, but I'm not, you know, when I would see, you know, like 40-year-old women, <laughs> I would just be like, whoa. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they would be. Simmer down, honey. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, like some people, like he liked it. He's like, dude, Dom, like, I like hip hop. And that's why we hung out so much. Is just, he was like, you know, I didn't drive him crazy. And, you know, because it's just some people, you know, everybody's different. It can help or hurt you. I, I cannot, I, yeah. But anyway, that was the first client. It, it started with a, a chef and it just kind of snowballed from there. But I do want to say that I had 40 jobs uh, and I've been fired 11 times. Oh. Uh, so, and I'm not saying that, like I'm saying it's good and bad. Obviously it's bad because it's really bad. But I mean, it's like, I, I just knew that I wasn't going to stop until I figured out what I wanted to do, you know, and you really feel like a failure. And I feel like somebody, you know, could be listening now and they, they could be going through that where they're just trying different things and they don't like it. And they keep, you know, it's tough coming home early. And, you know, my wife is like, did you get fired again? And I was like, yeah, you know, but it led to the point where when I found what I needed to do, I mean, all my clients really like me, you know, but it's like, I had to go through a ton of rejection where you just feel like, well, I'm just a failure. Like I suck at everything. You know, I mean, I, I keep going through jobs all the time, but really, you know, when I found this, I was like, this is why I just kept looking, you know, but when you're going, it's okay to look back at that's of success, but when you're in the middle of it, you're just like, man, I can't, I'm just, I can't do anything right. You know, but I just want to encourage people with that now at this point, like I've been doing a couple interviews and, um, and I want to encourage people like if you, you know, just keep looking. If you know that you want to get somewhere, like don't give up and don't think that you're just a screw up, you know, I mean, you'll, you'll get there, but just keep, you know, keep looking, but you don't have to go, you know, fire at 11, 11 times is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> You know, in baseball, we, they strike, you know, if they succeed three out of 10 times, they're like, you know, yeah. the greatest ever. So yeah. it, it's just a matter of when, you know, when at first you don't succeed, you got to try again and just keep on trying and put, putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, it, I guarantee you all of those failures have made you more grateful for being able to find what you are passionate about. And, yeah. you know, uh, more sure that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. So, and it's made you a lot more happy. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's very fulfilling doing what you know you're supposed to do. So transitioning from, and not that you're not, cause you are still a publicist, but you also are the host of the Dominic Natty show where you interview, um, all manner of, like you just said, Gene Simmons. I know you've interviewed Lee Goldberg. The, the, some of the biggest um, celebrities out there. How did that, you know, fall into place? And, you know, do you like that more than being a publicist or do you feel like they go hand in hand or what's your, what, what's your, what are your views? Talk to me yeah, about your show. The, the radio show just kind of, you know, it's, uh, it's actually my second radio show. When I first moved to Virginia, um, I was, uh, I got a show on FM radio here and we did the, the afternoon drive home with me and my brother-in-law. Uh, his name is Nate. It was called the Dominate Radio Show. Um, and, uh, oh, that's cute! Very cute. No, it, it was it was it was great. And then, uh, you know, I I had that show, and, and it's a very conservative small town here in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. And um, and I just really loved pushing the limits because that's the way I think everybody has a training. So like, I never had one teach me anything. I didn't go to college, uh, but I did find some training on my own and it was really through the tabloids and I've always been a fan of TMZ and I watched how people do it and being a publicist I I see how people question and they 
you know, they, they direct the conversation. Um, and I would start interviewing celebrities there. And, um, and I just realized that controversy is really important, you know, for, for ratings sometimes, depending on what type of show you want to do. And I like to be the villain at times. So I like, you know, I would push the limits of, of comedy and, uh, and they just, they didn't, you know, after about four months, uh, they are, we had a lot of listeners, you know, it was actually a really popular show. Uh, but some of the sponsors were like, who is this guy? They really, they started, you know, uh, come uncomfortable with my topics. Uh, we're in the South. I liked, I talked about racism a lot, uh, just cause I felt like it needed to be, you know, and I'm, I'm from New York. I just, I thought some things were interesting. Um, but anyway, they kicked me off the air after four months. And then I, I stopped doing radio for years. And then in 2016, um, you know, I, when I, it really kind of came about because I, when I started seeing celebrities, I would walk away and I'd tell a story of me with a celebrity to like my friends. And then I realized like, you know, I have no evidence that that even happened, which is something that's just, I don't know, it's just really important to me. So then when I started taking pictures with celebrities, you know, like for the last 15 years, I've been doing that. You know, now, I, now it's like obviously a big thing. Um, and then I would post them and when people would see that they, it would help lead to business. So I was always really big on like, Oh, let's post this, you know, oh, I'm with this person. And, and it's not so much like just to brag. It's just, it's to show people like I'm, you know, I'm not, yeah. Uh, but I do like to brag also. No, well, uh, but, <laughs> <Welcome to know. laughs> but, uh, but so then this guy saw it and he was like, Hey, why don't you do a show on, on my station and you you're with these celebrities and you can interview them, you know? And then uh, I was like, okay, but you know, I thought it was, you know, I started making all these demands and he was just like, do whatever you want. So it turned out to be, you know, it's on iHeartRadio and also intellectual radio in Chicago. And um, he's just great. The station manager just never like once a year, he might say, Hey, should you keep asking the people for sexually harassed? Like, just wondering if you think it's a good idea, you know, you're making people upset, but again, it's up to you. Like he always lets me just do it. He's not like that. Like the whole station is, it's called intellectual radio and it's, it's about like discussing topics and then there's my show, you know? So, I mean, which is, you know, I, 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 I Whoopi Goldberg hung up on me. Um, I, I did an interview with uh, Todd Chrisley from Chrisley knows best. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that one went bad. I mean, it was like, uh, he wound up talking about this tax evasion case and uh, the FBI wound up writing in the indictment. They used my, uh, my interview. Um, and, and, I mean, it's just, and then I've had a couple of things like there's a Christian singer named Lauren Daigle. I heard uh, that interview. And that one was just like, I mean, I had no idea. Like I do try to ask some controversial questions, but I asked her if she thought homosexuality was a sin. And it was like, I mean, for a month, straight which is a long time there's just articles and emails and like people writing reaction videos and boycotting her like you know and i was like this was it was just the craziest response that i've ever seen from an interview it's like what is going on she didn't confess to murder on the show you know um so you know i asked and i admit it i had i asked controversial questions because that's how my show is like your show is, you know, more for adults, you know, it's more, you know, I mean, my, I just, I like juice. I like gossip. Like I like talking to, you know, like when we did our interview, like I, I asked you some things to want, like see if I can get some sort of headline out of it. 
you know, that's just, that's the show. And if people- I decided well, to do that interview without Colton. Yeah. I yeah. made sure that he and I were on the same call because there is no telling what may have come out of his mouth. Oh, trust me, I knew, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> you were smart, yeah. And that's, and that's a- Because I learned some very hard lessons over the last 15 to 20 years. Yeah, no, you, you did good. That was, that was really smart. And I think that's, you know, and that, that's what it is. That's what the show is. It's, it's going to be those questions and I'm going to try to get something out of it, you know. And there's totally an audience for that. I mean, who doesn't, you know, I mean, there just is. I, I can, I mean, I would imagine there, that you would never have imagined in a million years that when you had Lauren Daigle on that all of that would have come from that interview. I like Lauren Daigle. I mean, yeah. It was very evident that you did like her very much that you, yeah. One of my questions to you was like, have you ever felt, have you ever had like interviewers remorse? Like, oh dang, I wish I hadn't gone there, hadn't asked that question. And if so, like, did you feel that with that interview or do you have no regrets about it? Uh, that is the only time in my entire career that I have uh, apologized to someone. Really? So Lauren, yeah, like I, uh, I literally was interviewing her as someone who appreciates her. Um, and it's, it's just like, there's a, like I said, it's just like any other training or military training or whatever. Like when you're interviewing someone and a thought pops in your head and you think, Oh, this would be such a good question, you know? And, and, and that's what it was. It was just like, I was talking to her and then I thought, Ooh, this would be a good one. You know, and, and it's not vindictive to say, Oh, I could do this and I can, ruin her career I could really like make her look bad like people I got accused of so much stuff but really it's just like any other training when you're talking to someone and you're like oh this would this would be good but it's not like vindictive you know like it's just that's how I'm trained to interview is like to think of things that come up that would be like now oh, that would be a good question I wonder what she would say you know and that's all it is and and when I asked her that and I actually thought she answered it really well. Like she said, you know, I think people should look it up in the Bible and find out for themselves. And I was like, man, she really nailed this question. Like, honestly, I would tell you, I mean, I thought she really did a great job of, of, of diverting and not really saying one way or the other because it could hurt her. Um, I thought she did great, you know, because if people see me coming, that's fine too. Like you're smart enough to be like, okay, this could be bad for me. Like, I'm not going to say yes or no. That's okay. Like, I, I get that too, you know? Um, and I was like, dude, she did great. Like, she didn't say yes or no. She told people to look it up for themselves. And, uh, and then the interview went out. And the next day, people were outraged. And I, mean, I was like... no way she could win in that response. Like, she's yeah, going to like, inevitably upset someone. And, you know, I mean, the bottom line is when you respond, if you respond from the heart that's all you can do, you know, that's all you can do. You know, I mean, we're never gonna please everybody, but the backlash was just wild. I mean, my, my, my heart actually felt so, I felt very bad for her. I actually felt very bad for you. I just, you know, and then in the sense I was like, well, it was actually somewhat actually good for Dominic because there was like so much publicity that came from his show. But you know, it was just wild across the board. Um, Okay, but another question. Go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. I, I, I texted her uh, like three or four days later 
And I said, Lauren, I just want you to know, I'm sorry. I'm not denying what I did. I just, I, I do like to ask questions like that. I was like, but I didn't mean, and I really didn't know. I don't really, I really understand like the Christian, like community. I was like, mm -hmm. I had no idea it was going to be like this. I was like, and I really do actually, I feel bad. And I want you to know, I'm sorry. And she texted me back and said it was okay. She was like, it's okay. You know, I know that you were just trying to ask like juicy questions. And I know that's what your show is. And she was like, it, it doesn't bother me. She's like, you know, one day we'll meet and we'll laugh, we'll, we'll laugh this off. And I was like, you know, but I really did. I felt bad, you know, for the first time, I think in my career, like I was like, I don't know, because it's, yeah, it's just, it was too much, you know, it was just too much. I was like, people were going crazy. Like she's not a Christian. And then they really attacked me, talked about my son, you know, like, I don't know. They're just, they're like, I'm not a Christian. I'm not, you know, like, it's just like, wow, like, what is going on, you know? But that, that whole response of, because I, I heard you say, you know, I found out from the YouTube comments that now I'm not a Christian and I'm actually going to go to hell. And, you know, for me, it's like, okay, well, obviously the Christian community is flawed, just like all of the communities, because every community is made up of human beings and every one of us are flawed individuals. But it's just ironic, the people that feel that they're um, capable of saying what is the truth in regards to whether or not you're a Christian and like passing that level of judgment, but then also, you know, uh, saying that they, you know, that they would have a better response or, yeah, you know, it's just, it's, again, it's a no win, you know, situation. Um, but, you know, it is good to hear uh, that you guys, that you and her are yeah, okay and on good yeah. terms and all that. So, okay, I know we're out of time. I keep getting like the five minute warning, two minute warning. Um, just rapid fire. Do you have a best and or worst, best and worst celebrity guest? Least favorite, uh, favorite, favorite? Yeah, my worst celebrity guest was Gene Simmons. I didn't, didn't like him. I didn't like him. Uh, <laughs> my best, uh, my best guest, honestly, like I, I did, I, I did interview Amber Rose twice. Okay. Uh, uh, I liked her. But I would say my best celebrity guest was Bill Cosby. And this is before all the rape stuff. This is like six or seven years ago. And, I'm going to uh, go back and, and uh, listen to that one because I have not listened to that one. Is it yeah. still up? Uh, what's that? Is it still up, like available to yeah. listen to? Oh, yeah, if you put in the name of the show, I mean, I, it was just so, it was an hour long interview that I had to cut down because he talked really, it was just, if you like Bill Cosby, it was, it was just so cool to be on the phone with someone, you know, like, that that I liked that much, you know. So, Bill Cosby, my best. Gene Simmons, my worst. Okay. Um, do are you a quarantine like board gamer, video gamer, like video conference? What's your what is your go to activity for quarantine besides uh, smoking? Although I I think uh, that might be fun. Please cigars, but honestly, like I I really have, I have a lot of friends mad at me. I'm I'm not really obeying the rules of quarantine, like. If I, I still might get on an airplane and go somewhere if I had somewhere to go. So, I mean, but, but the go-to is, yeah, like uh, cigars and documentaries. Like there are some documentaries that I've been catching up on. I watched like Cocaine Cowboys 2 yesterday and like just different things that I was like, oh, I've always wondered what that is. But, uh, but yeah, I just, I'd rather be working to be honest.
Okay, Dominic. So one last question, because I know we are running out of time here. Um, if anyone out there is looking for a publicist or looking to retain one, what advice or steps would you have to give them if they were hoping to uh, retain a publicist for their for themselves? Great question. So uh, the, the thing with, with hiring a publicist is if you hired me, your question is going to be, well, okay, I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to hire you. Like what exactly, where am I going to go? Who's going to pick this up? Like, what exactly am I going to get out of this? And it's a great question, and I understand why people ask it. Unfortunately, uh, we don't know exactly where the, a campaign is going to go um, because I, I have contacts. Like, you can basically – you could tell me any publication that you like, any major publication, say, you know, New York Times, you know, TMZ, E! News, uh, whatever it is, Huffington Post, Wall Street Journal, and I can show you, give you links that have my name in articles with them. Forbes, all that. But that doesn't mean that they're just going to drop everything and put your, your story in. But it is important to look and make sure that the person that you're hiring has a good resume. Because a lot of people can make a lot of promises. Um, you know, and, and I've, I've seen that a lot. And I think it's really dangerous just to say, oh, I've done this. So, you know, look at, you know, look at this. I, I look at how much stuff I've done. Um, and I can guarantee you're going to be in there. Like, that's not really how it works. Like all my friends that are editors have to like the pitch in order to like, to get you in there, you know? So when you, you don't want to hire someone, I mean, if it's very expensive, that has nothing to show for it, you know? So it's like, I, I think that's the thing is to say, does this person have the right contacts and evidence of the contacts to get me to where I want to go? You know, you don't really want someone that's like, oh, I'm going to help pump up your social media and stuff. Like, that's not really something that legitimately I've seen done, where it's like, I can get your numbers up. Like, you know, if you want to get fake followers and stuff, there's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, it's just like, it's hard to guarantee. That's the difficult thing is you do need a publicist. You do need exposure. It's difficult to pay for something where you can't guarantee what you're getting in return. That's how it is. So the safest way I think to do that is to make sure that the person that you're investing in has those has evidence that they can they've gotten other people there. You know that's why I do like my radio show is because you know my radio show I've been in CNN, Fox News, like all these major publications, and they say the Dominic Natty show. So I can at least show you like I know those editors. You know like they didn't really find my show. Like I I sent it to them and say hey what do you think of this? You know. And uh, they've liked it, you know, so it's like, that's important. So you look at resume and, and what I do, which is really unique is a lot of PR companies want three or six months up front. I actually do it where like I let you do week to week because I feel like it's safe. If I was on the other end of that, I wouldn't want to give you six months up front and hope for the best. Like, so I'm like, you know what? It keeps both of us honest. Like I can give you something in a week that'll make you want to do another week. And I've worked with people for five years like that. And I won't say, you know, I'm like, if you get mad at me at any point, like even after years, like you could stop. Or if you think it sucks after one week, like you didn't invest that much. Because if I was on the other end of it, I would feel comfortable with that. I don't want to give you, you know, $10,000 and like, and see how it goes. You know see how it goes. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. That's, that's a very, yeah. for me, like a risky amount of money to just throw, yeah. at, throw at it and hope it stinks. You know, also like with translating, 
you know, publicity into like a return on that. Like if your goal is to quote, get famous or is your goal to make the money, is your goal to, you know, expand your business or what, yeah. you know, your brand or whatever. Um, and you know, different people have different goals. Like some people's goal legitimately is just to get famous. That's, yeah. you know, that's what drives them. Um, and other people, you know, they have some other things like, you know, with that or like their craft or talent or, you know, whatever it may be. So that week to week thing is very, very appealing. I, I, it, I haven't it, heard of someone doing that. It, I think it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's gone really well. And like I said, if I was on the other end of that, I would be like, okay, you know what? Like, cause truthfully, I don't know. As I've been doing this for 14 years. Some things that I think are like really silly, like mobile apps that people hire me to do. They'll like, they're on like, I mean, one of them was, you know, I always use this example. It's like, there's a watermelon app. You put the phone up to a watermelon and knock on it and it tells you if it's ripe or not, you know? And I, I was like, I don't know guys. So they're like, come on. You. So we, we, we think in like, in like two days, I sent it to this guy at the Huffington post and he put it on the front page. He thought it was just really funny and interesting. And then it just blew up and their sales went crazy. Honestly, I would have never predicted that. Like if they were to said, can you get this on front page, the homepage of Huffington Post? I'd be like, no, you know, but <laughs> it just went that way. You know, it's like, I don't really know how they're going to respond until we start it. So a fair way to do it is to say, why don't you invest a little money up front to get it started and let's see how it goes. Because truthfully, I would have never told them that they could be, you know, Huffington Post is like number one, like website, news website. It's like, yeah. that's how it went. but I would have, you know, you don't know until you start pitching, you know. That's actually very fascinating. Now, you know, I'm going to have to check out that app. Yeah. And it's part of watermelon. <laughs> yeah. Things we do in quarantine. Yeah. Well, I have so enjoyed talking with you. I know that at some point the Dallas event is going to get rescheduled, hopefully in June, and we can we can do this again in person. Um, but until then, uh, this was this was awesome. It's so good to see you. I hope you stay well. You look great. Enjoy that cigar. And thank yeah. you so much for your time. Um, it's, you. it's always great chatting with you. I had so much fun. I'll talk to you soon. That sounds good. Thank you so much for coming. And everyone, thank you guys for joining us this week. And stay tuned for next week on When Life Throws You a Curve and how to make the adjustment. Until then, I hope everyone stays healthy and stays well. And I will see you next week. Come find me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Katie Hamilton 32, on Facebook at Katie Hamilton, and at When Life Throws You a Curve 32, and on YouTube at Katie Hamilton. The content provided here was supplied by a third party for display on our platform. The content is not owned or created by Real News PR. The views and opinions are those of the creator.